Divorce brings a mix of emotions that can catch you off guard. Some days you're so relieved to finally have made the decision to part ways, and sometimes it hits you like a ton of bricks. So are there significant events that trigger those more intense emotions? What if I told you, yes, there are, so that you know what you might be able to expect. If you could create a little more space for yourself in some of those most triggering firsts, would you be able to experience a little more peace in the midst of it? I mean, maybe then you could avoid a weird and uncontrollable bodily reaction like I had in the middle of my office. This is Divorced and Determined AF, the show that supports women with the information they need to know before, during, and beyond divorce. My name is Jamie Milam, and I'm determined to empower you to live the life that you desire and deserve by making informed decisions and taking aligned action. And today, I open up about my own experiences and share tips for navigating the unexpected emotional waves during divorce. To help you feel a little more emotionally prepared, I'll take you through seven different firsts you'll experience after you separate and the emotions that may accompany them. Some you may expect, some you may not, and some that may not be yours but land at your door anyway, even if they do come in the form of flowers. So if you're wondering what you can expect emotionally those first months after your separation, this is the episode for you. And if you're looking for more resources, please head to peaceofmindivorce.info to access our free resource library. Now, let's get started. Divorce is an overwhelming process that most of us did not know how to navigate until we were in the thick of it, which can cost us a lot more time, money, and energy than necessary. Divorced and Determined AF hopes to change that. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. I'm a realtor and a certified divorce specialist who not only works with divorcing couples when selling their home, but I am also divorced and I know firsthand how much having thorough resources would positively impact women for years to come. I'm bringing together fellow divorcees and experts working in the field to talk about this private taboo topic, all with the goal to help you feel prepared, educated, assured, confident, and empowered to make informed decisions related to your divorce journey. So whether you're just now considering a divorce, in the midst of it, or are now navigating a new norm and are determined AF to do it your way, this is your safe space. You deserve it. Welcome back, ladies. I am so glad that you're here with me. Today, I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to vulnerably relive some of those first moments that I had, these firsts that you kind of experience after separation. And my hope here is that it might help you know what to expect if you are in the beginning stages of this or even just feel validated and normalized if you've been experiencing anything similar along your journey. And I'm going to begin by saying that even if you are the one who initiated the divorce process, you are still going to experience emotions. And some of those emotions might surprise you. Some of them are going to come out of the blue and some that you may have expected, they never actually surface. Divorce is an odd emotional process. I mean, they do say that you process divorce much like the same five stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, 
negotiation, depression, and acceptance. And you might stay in one of those stages longer than others, and you might slip in and out of different stages, go back and forth. And some may even begin before you're separated, and some will last well beyond separation. But chances are, you'll have some unexpected emotions hit you out of nowhere at some point. And I hope to help you feel like, okay, I I kind of expected this unexpectedness. <laughs> now, transparently, my first true week of separation was unlike most, I'm sure. You see, before COVID had hit, I had planned a trip to Grand Turk for our family that we were supposed to take back in April of 2020. But of course, you know, all flights were grounded, so on and so forth. And I had rescheduled it for April of 2021. Now, fast forward, and it just so happened that in March of 2021 is when I asked my husband for a divorce. And as a part of the conversation for us trying to figure out how we were going to navigate the physical act of separating, uh, a question had come up and he said, well, you know, we've got this trip coming up. Do you think that you can get a refund for it? And you have to understand, I was like, no, I'm not even going to try because I painstakingly planned this. I've been looking forward to it. Like I intend to still go. (laughs) Uh, So in fact, I thought, well, since we're going to go, why don't you use that week to move out? I thought that it might be best that he used that week while we would be gone to move his stuff out because my hope was that it would make it a little less traumatizing on all of us, really. Of course, we told my son before we left about the upcoming divorce, and we told him that he would be moving out while we were gone so that it wouldn't be a shock to him when we got back. And for the most part, when we got back, our house still looked and felt the same, aside from my bedroom and my closet especially, because those are some of our most shared spaces for him and I. But yeah, that is a space that felt different. And so thankfully, I thought ahead about that, and I had already ordered for a new bed set to come in. I wanted to change my sheets and my bedding first things so that when we got back, I would be climbing into a new, fresh bed. Now, mind you, I had just spent a week on vacation in a bed by myself. So it wasn't too odd to come back and be in bed by myself again. Plus, before our separation, I'd been sleeping in my bed alone when my husband was in the hospital. And if you missed that, then you can head back over to episode 57, and I kind of explain some of that in that episode. But while he was in the hospital, uh, I was sleeping by myself, and then when he got back, I was sleeping on the couch in our bedroom sitting area because I just wasn't comfortable sleeping next to him. I was just in that headspace, even though we had not yet had a conversation about divorce, But then when we did, I continued to sleep on that couch, and then eventually I moved into the bed in our other room. So I hadn't been sleeping next to him for several weeks at this point. And I do hear that that is somewhat common for several women. They'll say that they've been sleeping in separate rooms. And then for others, going to bed alone can be one of the most challenging moments in the beginning. 
the absence of that familiar warmth and companionship can really trigger some feelings of loneliness and and really just some longing. And that can make it difficult to fall asleep, I'm sure. And even if you're not longing for that bedtime companionship, if you are maybe embracing having the whole bed to yourself and you're gratefully celebrating that you are not tense, you're no longer hoping to avoid physical contact, well, you may still notice other things that surprise you about now being in bed alone. For me, one of those things was my sense of security at home. I had gotten so used to sleeping with a sound machine on while we were together, but I suddenly felt really nervous about using it for fear that I wouldn't be able to hear if anything or anyone was a threat in our home. I mean, now it was my sole job to protect my son. I no longer had a Marine in my home because there's no denying. One thing I always felt with my ex was safe. I always felt like no one could harm us, especially in our home because he would take care of us. And now with him gone, I think that my senses were heightened, you know, for this sense of security. So little noises, they might start sounding louder than normal. You might find yourself double checking that the garage door is shut, that the doors are locked before heading up to bed. You may start to sleep with your door open when you used to sleep with it shut. I mean, these are all things that I experienced for sure. And by doing these things, they're actually helping you build your own self-confidence in your security. And of course, there are other things that you can do to help. You know, you can buy a doorbell camera so that you can see who's at the door. You can install small cameras at a back door entrance. Of course, get a security system. Uh, Something else that you can do is sleep with pepper spray next to the bed, maybe a bat or some other form of self-defense. All I'm saying here is do what you need to do to build trust and confidence in yourself. And then slowly, you'll find that you can go back to using your sound machine. You can go back to sleeping with the door closed. And you can go back to really not worrying again. And while we're on the note of the bedroom, let me just say now is the perfect time to give your room a makeover. I mean, walking into any spaces that you shared in your home, like a bedroom, a living room, your kitchen, I mean, any time that that happens, it can be emotionally charging. You know, these spaces, they may still hold memories of the past, and that can make it difficult to move forward. So refreshing a room isn't just about changing up the decor. It's about redefining the emotional landscape and making space for the new, the hopeful, and the healing memories that hopefully you have lying ahead. Now, how can you do that? Well, I had the wall behind my headboard painted. Uh, I painted it this beautiful, deep, jewel-toned green, and I added three very feminine pieces of art above my bed. 
So now combined with my new bed set, it made me feel like I was entering into this new feminine haven that just felt new and cozy and safe. In fact, it's still one of my favorite spots in my home today. Now, also in your bedroom is the closet. Oh, my closet. Oh, boy. Yeah, his side was empty, of course. And this was the most glaring, emptiest space in our home, aside from his office downstairs. But neither of those spaces are areas that my son went into on a daily basis. But for me, my closet is. And I didn't know what I wanted to do yet in terms of like organizing it or filling it up. But all I knew was that I needed to do something because the empty space was just glaring at me. And what I did almost immediately, like the second day was I just took a big handful of hanging clothes from my side and I put it over on the other side. And then I moved some jeans on the shelves. I mean, by no means was it pretty or complete, but at least it wasn't so empty and so white and bright and glaring at me. (laughs) It would make do until I could actually take the time to properly work on it. And and let me tell you, I have properly worked on it since and I have certainly filled it up. But it is one of those spaces that might feel like a glaring reminder, but it's okay. Like take little steps, do whatever you need to do right then if it helps you kind of shift and pivot out of that headspace for a moment. All right. While we are talking about shared spaces, another shared space was our kitchen table. You guys, I pride myself in that we eat at the table together nearly every evening. And sure, yeah, we're like any family. We have the occasional free-for-all, you know, but even when we bring takeout home, we eat at the kitchen table. And I'm sure you're like me and you have a natural order for where everyone sits at the table. Well, following suit with that same habit, it can actually accentuate the emptiness of your spouse no longer being there, especially for the kids. They're used to seeing dad sit at the head of the table. At least that's how it was in our home. And I didn't want that to feel like a daily reminder of a void. So I made that my new seat. So now, rather than sitting across the table from my son and leaving an empty seat in between us, now I was next to him, I could be closer, and we could talk without a void in between us, which to me kind of would have made this void really glaring as well. And obviously, I can't speak from his perception uh, about like what his perspective was like, but for me... I thought of it kind of like a mind trick, like your eyes are kind of playing tricks on you in a way because you're so used to seeing mom at the table with you all the time. But now instead of her sitting across the table, she's next to you. And even though I now have created a different empty chair, it's like I've filled this void. I'm not replacing his dad, but I've filled this spot. And so you're just kind of moving the pieces around. I don't know if that makes sense, but That was my hope for how it would feel for him on his end. But again, I can't speak for him. All I can say is that I felt like I was doing the best that I could. And to me, the only other alternative was to continue to sit in my old spot and leave this glaring empty void in between us or stop eating at the kitchen table. And I wasn't willing to do that. So doing what I did 
felt better than deciding that we weren't going to continue this tradition of sitting at the dinner table together in the evening where we get to have conversation and catch up on each other's day. You know, there's no need to give up something that I value and that I would like to think that my son values. We just tweaked it a little. Now, I mean, there are other spots in your kitchen, I'm sure, that will certainly bring up a whole nother slew of emotions, such as the holiday season. However, the emotions that the holidays bring up as they are, I think that's worth an entirely different conversation than squeezing it into today's episode. But speaking of dinner at the table, another time that you might start to feel triggered in this post-separation and having some unexpected emotions is your first dinner alone. And that might be whether it's alone with your kids or whether that is because you have children and they've gone to their fathers for co-parenting time, or even if you don't, but you're used to sitting with your spouse in the evening, like It's a habitual routine that if you're used to sharing it with a companion, it's going to feel weird in the beginning. So give yourself grace for needing to figure out the best way to adjust. And really, this can expand into any one of these firsts of being alone. It can be when you come home for the first time to an empty house. That might be after you come home from work. For me personally, though, I felt more peace, especially when I was coming home from work. Prior to our separation, I felt like I was, as soon as I walked through that door, I felt like I was walking through a vortex that was sucking every bit of energy out of me as if I just walked into the twilight zone. You know, I would feel tense and anxious even if I had had a great day at work. So coming home after work for me felt like a relief. However, that might be different for somebody else. You might come home and it might feel empty and quiet and that can be upsetting. But for me, it felt like a relief. However, coming home to an empty house the first time from a co-parenting transition, now that felt empty and alone. I mean, it's going to feel weird. Even the first handoffs. If you've got little ones who aren't driving and you are having to go and drop them off or then be picked up, those first handoffs can be really tough. And so if you know this in advance, it might help you plan appropriately so that you can create some space for yourself and for some self-care. I mean, maybe that is having a movie picked out already that you're just going to make some popcorn, sit down with a hot cup of tea or a glass of wine or something and have some you time and watch a movie. It might be that you plan on having a hot bath with a nice glass of wine. Maybe it's a night out with your girlfriends. But give yourself space to be able to go through these emotions and to comfort yourself. I mean, there's no room for self-shame or judgment here. As any of these emotions that come up for you, they are completely valid. So love on yourself. Aim for this mindset that these nights that your kids are away are times for you to reconnect with yourself and your individuality. As moms and even as wives, we can begin to associate those labels as our only sense of identity, but there are still parts of ourselves that want to shine. And this is a great time for you to reconnect with that part of you. It's healthy. It doesn't mean that you aren't missing your kids and it doesn't take away the fact that 
you'd rather be with them. Those things can be true at the same time as enjoying the parts of you that you haven't been able to embrace as much since you became a mom. It's actually healthy for you to have hobbies and interests that aren't completely revolved around your kids. And at first, yeah, it might seem selfish, but I assure you, it's not. Be there and be present with and for them when they are with you. And when they're not, do you, babe. Filling your cup on your own will allow you to show up better when you are with them because it can be tempting to probe them about how they're feeling. What did they do when they were with the other parent? Y'all, this really, it's not necessary. You know, just be there for them. Ask them how their weekend was. And if they're excited or had a great time, it doesn't mean that they didn't miss you. It's not personal to you. They don't deserve to have us project our hurt from the dynamic of the damaged relationship between two adults onto their little growing and impressionable minds. They they get to live their own experience because it's still their parent. It's a part of their identity too. These first co-parenting times that they are away with the other parent, it's going to hurt and feel alone. And it might hurt to hear them share about the fun things that they did. But be happy for them. Even if you feel like you are faking it until you make it, girlfriend. Underneath the act, I'm sure that you are genuinely happy that your children feel happiness. So let them know that you're happy that they're happy and let them know that you missed them and that you're so glad that you get to hug them now again and that you get to see their cute little faces. Them feeling like you are secure with them having a relationship with their other parent will help make them feel secure. It will help make them feel like they can have a safe space with you. It helps them emotionally trust you. And I know that this can be difficult in the beginning, but I am here to tell you it really does pay off. If you need somewhere to talk and vent about how those parts of you are hurting on the inside, this is where I continue to stand that having a counselor or a therapist or even a support group is so helpful because having a specific compartment to take that to It's so much healthier than projecting it onto our children. All right. Now, while we're still talking about our children, let's talk about another trigger. Making some financial decisions or even just big decisions about our kids, it it can really be a frustrating feeling that we have to get the input of the other parent who isn't managing the day-to-day functions or the needs of our kids. And at the same time, it doesn't take away the fact that they do have rights, both natural and legal rights, to the decisions that are made about our children and their well-being. Even if we are of the opinion that One of us understands our kids' needs better than the other parent. It can be really tempting to just push through and do as much of it as you can on your own. But you know what? Underneath, that can really start to build up even more resentment to the other parent. You know, 
this child is their responsibility too. And we have to be able to give them the opportunity to step up to that responsibility. And we also have to honor the fact that they do still have rights. Obviously, I'm not talking about if safety is a concern and you have a DVPO put into place and whatnot, but in a broad general sense here, they do have rights and we have to keep that in consideration. And sometimes there are going to be things that you want the other parent to do and and how you want them to show up for your kid and they just don't. But the one thing that I have continued to remind myself from the very start of our separation that has really helped me is the only thing that is in my control about the relationship that my son has with his dad is that I continue to give them both the opportunity to have a relationship with one another. I am not in control of how my ex shows up as a parent, and I am certainly not in control of how it is received by my son. And yes, my life experiences certainly do give me some rose-colored lenses at some times, and my gut and my connection with my child also gives me insight and influences my perception at times. And sometimes I hurt at my core when I wish that certain aspects could or would be different for them. And I have had moments that surprise the hell out of me with how emotional it makes me, I'll give you an example. Because at the end of the day, I want you to really recognize how sometimes this stuff just creeps up on you. So for example, I recently was putting together an ad for my son's senior yearbook. And a senior ad is meant to celebrate this milestone for him. It goes in the back of the yearbook. It's it's printed there. And as I was gathering pictures, I realized that I wanted to put in a couple of pictures of just my son and I. But I had this moment where I was like, "Mm, how is that going to make him feel looking back at it? So I decided to reach out to his dad to see if he would want to split the cost of the ad with me. Because this is not a cheap ad, y'all. But Before I included a note in this senior yearbook that signs off as love mom, I thought it would be best to at least give his dad the opportunity to partner with me on it. I sent him a message, asked him if he would like to go in halves with me on it. And when he did reply to me, his response was, no, thank you. And I read that and I felt like, what is this? Me asking you if you want to shake with your fries. I mean, I was so taken aback and thankfully my son wasn't at home that evening uh, that I got this reply because I immediately just burst into tears. And I mean, this was a painful cry session. You know, the kind that I'm talking about where you are just like scream crying. It hurts to your core. I so badly just wanted my ex to express this support for my son in a manner that I felt like would always be there for him so that he could look back on in his yearbook. And I just let myself cry. I mean, I allowed myself to feel all of these emotions. And after a really good cry session, I didn't get reactive with him. I didn't respond to him at all, more or less like in a negative way. But after I was done crying, I also 
had to dig a little deep into myself and recognize that this just may not be a way that he cares to express his emotions, that he wants to show up for him differently, and that maybe this isn't an important way to express it. And again, my only responsibility is to give him the opportunity. I cannot control how he responds to the opportunity. So I decided that I was going to proceed with the yearbook ad, and I put that messaging in that I wanted to, and I signed it off as love mom. And while there may be a small part of me that feels a little guilt about that, or maybe it's a little judgment and I I wish that it could have been different. The reality is, is he didn't want to participate and it was going to be all of my money that I was paying for it. And I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to put somebody's name on something who didn't want to participate in it and just fake that. To me, that's not authentic. To someone else, they may see that and say, yeah, but I'm just going to go ahead and put his dad's name on it anyways, because that might be what is better for my son. So I'm just going to do it anyway. And you know what? We're both allowed to feel about it the way that we do. That is the point of so much of this is you have to do what feels in alignment for you. Okay. Now let me move on from that experience. Other occasions that might bring up some emotions. Can we can we talk about your wedding anniversary for a second? Because that one can be a weird one. For me, that first year, I don't remember waking up and thinking, oh, it would have been our anniversary today. And it wasn't on my mind the day before. Hell, if I'm honest, I barely remember what day of the week it is half the time without consciously having to think about it or look at my calendar, more or less the actual date. But Let me tell you, this day was weird, our first wedding anniversary day post-separation. So let me tell you how it started. I received a text from my ex before 8 a.m. that day saying, have a good day today. I found it so random, so random that I text one of my best friends who is out of state and was also going through a divorce. And she was like, okay, that's weird. And I'm like, yep, I totally agree. Because mind you, this was now five months post our separation date. And we had now moved into this stage of, let's just say, not being as friendly as we'd initially intended to be, how we hoped that we would be. So here we are five months later, and I wake up to this text that says, have a good day today. Well, okay. Now fast forward to mid-morning. It was about 11, 11.15 or so. I was in my office sitting at my desk and I had a complete non-controlled bodily reaction while writing a note because I had noticed I wasn't wearing my wedding ring. And I had this brief panic attack that was followed by me laughing at myself in my head. I mean, I hadn't been wearing it for five months. What the heck? And then suddenly, I felt nauseous as hell. And I mean, all of this happened within like a fast 60 seconds or so. And then tears just came to my eyes and I was suddenly just so confused. I couldn't understand what the hell was going on in my body or my brain because, 
again, it's been five months. Why am I suddenly recognizing like, oh my God, like where's my ring? Why do I have these phantom feelings of my ring is missing? I couldn't understand what was happening. And then suddenly I remembered it was our anniversary day. I mean, I had had zero thoughts or emotions about it up until that moment. But apparently my body was just getting it out for me. It was so weird and so uncontrollable. And then (laughs) to top off my day, I went to my door before I was going to bed to grab an Amazon box. And to my surprise, when I opened the door, there was a flower arrangement at my door. There was no note on it, no personalized note, just a delivery note from the company who had delivered it and it had my name and address and everything on it. But it was from him. It had his phone number on it. That was the only indication. It had his phone number on it underneath my address. There was no personalized note. The whole thing just threw me off. Now, I was even more confused. I mean, at this stage, you know, again, five months post-separation, we, you know, some hurtful things had been said over these past few months. So to receive these flowers was just so confusing to me. But it became apparent that the occasion or what would have been the occasion was clearly on his radar all day long. Now, do I wish that he would have just felt his own feelings without dragging me into them? Sure, absolutely. But I guess grief affects people in different ways. So even if you think you're fine when it comes to your wedding anniversary, that it's not anything that you're going to grieve, even if you think you're fine and it's not top of mind, your body may take over like-minded or your ex may be hurting more than you And it lands at your door anyway, (laughs) literally, apparently. Whatever happens, I think I just want to say that when nothing seems normal at all in all of this, it is all kind of normal in its own weird way. All right. The last thing that I want to cover for today when it comes to emotions, it's the signing of your divorce papers. For many, many people, this is a day with mixed emotions. You might be so relieved to finally be done, but also a tinge of sadness with the finality of it all. Don't get me wrong. Just because your divorce is officially final with the legal system doesn't mean this process is finished. There will still be emotions disagreements and challenges that lie ahead, especially if you have children. But the feeling of closing the door on your marriage can really start to sink in at this milestone. For some, you might have feelings of doubt or maybe even regret. And others, again, you might feel relief or empowerment. You could be the one experiencing these emotions or it could be your ex. Either way, give yourself space this day. Make sure that you build in space for yourself this day. Don't stack your day too full. Just be sure that you're giving yourself room for any unexpected feelings because even if it's not what you thought it was going to be, it just might surprise you. And 
you might get drug into it from the other side as well. Y'all, the the rainbow of emotions that you feel in a divorce, it's it's wide. It is huge. Everyone's experience is unique. And these emotions, they're going to vary in intensity and in timing. And each of these moments can really be a step in your healing process. But they can be incredibly challenged to navigate in the moment. You know, you're not going to see it as a healing step in the moment. You're going to be like, WTF. <laughs> so support from loved ones and, and self-care is essential during this time. So be kind to yourself in this, friend. You're not alone in the roller coaster of emotions, but you will be able to step out of it and get both feet back on the ground and look back saying, wow, what a ride. Well, that's a wrap for today, ladies. I'm confident this doesn't even cover all of the first because each of us have such a unique experience. But a quick recap though, of some of those firsts that can trigger an emotional response would be sleeping by yourself for the first time or the empty spaces that were once shared, your first dinner alone, either without your spouse or without your kids, the first co-parenting handoffs and the first nights alone without your kids, And then there's when you're making big decisions, special occasions that were once celebrated between the two of you, and even the day of officially signing your divorce papers. The biggest takeaway here, though, is that you may experience a roller coaster of emotions, and that's normal, babe. So give yourself space, grace, and lots of love and self-care to comfort yourself through it all. While it can be tricky and take you by surprise, It can also be an opportunity for you to reconnect with yourself through exploration and self-compassion. Knowing some of these triggering moments can help you plan for them so that you can navigate them with a little more peace than those of us before you. And please don't forget, if you're looking for a multitude of divorce-related resources, then visit peaceofminddivorce.info and sign up for free today to access our full resource library that grows every single week. 